go ahead and move into Secure the Bag for this week. Oh, um, we have intro music for Secure the Bag. Ooh, okay, let's get it going then. I just need to make a full-on intro, really, you know? Yeah, no, I, I love it, I love it. Take it away, Taylor. Awesome. Well, this week on Secure the Bag, we're going to be looking at Pepsi. And uh, seeing if PepsiCo here has uh, uh, really been able to stand up against some of its competitors during, uh, you know, not only just 2020 in general, the COVID-19 outbreak, but, uh, you know, as a um, as a company who is, you know, looking to expand into a couple of different uh, markets. And, uh, you know, obviously, this is a large company. They're, they're, they're PepsiCo. So, you know, how much bigger uh, can you really get and seeing some of the changes that they're having with uh, their product development and uh, you know how that's really led them to um, either secure or not secure the bag so um, this really comes off of some uh, impressive Q1 reports that uh, you know showed Pepsi being up you know a couple of points here in Q1 of 2020 which was a uh, um, you know kind of a big deal for for most large brands especially big consumer brands like this so I wanted to take a little bit of a deep dive into to what made that happen mm-hmm. um, and why Pepsi is outperforming their counterparts like Coca-Cola. So uh, like I mentioned, um, last week it was uh, you know stated that their Q1 earnings showed an impressive two-point gain over across their entire product line. Um, and we got to keep in mind, you know, Pepsi, who also owns Frito-Lay and Quaker Foods, have a large catalog of, of um, you know, consumer products that are readily available for people. Um, and a lot of that hasn't changed, apparently, um, as, as much here in this first quarter as consumption habits have obviously changed. Right. So, um, so when we look at something like, you know, a snacks division, which is uh, a division that a company like Coca-Cola lacks, you know, they have, you know, a huge software and beverage division. It's essentially their entire company. Um, whereas Pepsi, you know, kind of gets into a couple more of these snack related areas. Um, and their uh, vice chairman and CFO, Hugh Johnson, said on Yahoo Finance last week that uh, the economy saw a lot of stocking up on water and Gatorade and things like that. But there's a real consumption change, in particular in two areas. Uh, number one is breakfast at home. People are eating more pancakes and those products. And second, uh, people are working from home and they tend to graze more during the day. So they've seen a real increase in snacking. Um, and as a result, that demand has been you know, sustaining. So I think they're really looking at these two markets. One, their breakfast foods, uh, you know, the Quaker food brand, which, you know, that that spans in so many different products, even things like Aunt Jemima uh, syrups, and then as well as, uh, you know, the Frito-Lay brand as well, people continuing to, to snack regularly and more frequently. And now those uh, uh, consumer behaviors have just continued to go throughout the duration of uh, mm-hmm. uh, this pandemic. So, um, yeah, it's, it's really just touted Pepsi to kind of uh, tilt the scales a little bit in their product direction, um, their their kind of infrastructure, which um, I think really just kind of leads us to our bottom line is that Pepsi has the product distribution infrastructure um, that's set up to last in a time like this. And uh, um, I think it's uh, not something that, we would have probably looked at and, and compared directly to Coke, you know, I think, and, and, and thought, oh, yeah, this is uh, going to be a big shift between these two companies because Coke is um, 
a little geared towards more um, event-based uh, drinking and occasion, you know, based purchasing so that mm-hmm. means you know you're going to get that when you're out at a restaurant you're going to get coke products when you're out at a sporting event or at a movie um obviously these are, are you know a huge part of their company and a huge part of what we're not doing right now so yeah um it's it's interesting to see pepsi you know very similar in terms of, of product but just their uh, infrastructure for their their products um really just outlasting in a, in a scenario like this um so I think that we've gone ahead and can certify that, you know, at least in Q1 of 2020, Pepsi, uh, PepsiCo and affiliate brands have secured the bag. Yeah, you know, and, and I wonder if there's almost, uh, and and I think you, you kind of alluded to this a little bit, if there's an element of, of luck to this sort of, you know, mm-hmm. because um, where they've each focused, you know, part of their business models is, you're right, Coca-Cola being more the, the company that you're going to see in fountain machines, you know, in a, you know, in a convenience store, that sort of thing. Uh, get Coca-Cola products at a sporting event mm-hmm. probably more often than Pepsi, that sort of thing. And then Pepsi having Frito-Lay and Quaker Foods and, and other, um, other products that seem to be a little bit more um, in demand right now, uh, as you know, as you mentioned, consumption habits have changed quite a bit and people aren't going in and filling up with 72 ounce Coke products at, you know, at your local Seven Eleven or convenience store right now. Um, mm-hmm. all of those have kind of been closed off. And so a large portion of the Coca-Cola business model has gone away during this time. And it's not like that's something that Coke could have necessarily predicted, nor could it have been predicted that, you know, the, the rise in people working from home and, you know, hanging out and just snacking a little bit more uh, while you're on your couch working and, and watching Netflix. Uh, I don't think Pepsi could have predicted that either. So there's an element of, of luck involved for Pepsi, I think, but that doesn't mean that, uh, that their versatility in product offerings and, and their business model is necessarily wrong or that, um, you know, they were completely oblivious to what they were doing, you know, when, when they have Frito and, and Quaker and those sorts of things. It just so happens that their products are more equipped to withstand a time like this. So I will be interested to see, you know, as things get back to normal, how that affects Pepsi, right? Like if, if I, you know, stop eating oatmeal every morning for breakfast while I'm working from home and I don't eat as many bags of chips, you know, because I'm not sitting watching Netflix while I work, you know, how does that impact Mm -hmm. their, you know, the growth that we've seen from Pepsi during Q1? So very, very interested to see how that all shakes out. Yeah, I think you brought up a good point. I think that that begs the question too, is how are other companies going to start to strategize their brands and their products Mm -hmm. to, um, you know, withstand an unforeseen event? You know, if you have, you know, 60% of your revenue based on, you know, event-based consumption, you know, or group-based consumption the way that, you know, maybe a Coke is. And, And granted, I'm just spitting out a number there um but if you have a large part of your revenue uh you know tied directly to a certain behavior um what could cause one that behavior to change Mm -hmm. and two what is that going to look like if if that potentially does go away so i think that companies are going to start asking themselves you know a little bit more about um you know how they can protect themselves in a time like that and 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 maybe protect themselves is wrong but how can they preserve the uh strength of their brand you know during a uh um you know a, a time 
similar to this or, you know, right. the different shift in, in consumer behavior. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I, I think that this will, you know, this might make the textbooks for a lot of people who are studying companies, you know, in uh, economic downturns and, you know, companies that are able to uh, kind of pivot and win that way. Yeah, I think I think you're absolutely right about that. And that's been something I've been very curious to see throughout this. The, the entirety of this really is what do continuity plans look like after this? You know, and, and I would I would assume and, and somewhat guess that there won't be another pandemic quite like this, um, quite mm-hmm. like what we're seeing kind of once we're on fingers the other crossed. side. Yeah, fingers crossed. But <laughs> but obviously, I, like I think events happen all the time and and when you talk to businesses you know on on podcasts like i have quite a bit recently they say you know even if it's not a covid19 type situation but what if you know there's a a big hurricane or you know a large Mm -hmm. um a large scale event in different spots that really affects our ability to to produce Mm -hmm. products and things along those lines how has this taught us how to continue to do business without being able to go into the office or without being able to, um, you know, keep manufacturing our products at the same level that we were before. And I think the food and beverage industry will be one that will be very interesting to see how they adapt, right? Like what, what does Starbucks do after this to ensure that the next time something along these lines happens, that they're prepared? You know, what does, Mm -hmm. um, you know, McDonald's do those big companies that everybody knows and recognizes as seminal brands, similar to Coca-Cola, what, what changes do they make to future proof themselves against situations like this in the future? I I'm, I'm very, very interested to see what happens there, whether it's Starbucks diving more into delivery type services or trying to find new ways for people to enjoy Starbucks products at home, you know, whether it's a, a new coffee type, you know, Keurig type machine mm-hmm. type thing that, that makes your macchiatos or whatever it is that you like from Starbucks, you know, just very, very interested in, in that and, and how these companies decide to future proof themselves against another occurrence of something like this. Yeah, I think we'll be lucky enough to be able to study about that for years to come after this. (laughs) I I think you're right. This was a snippet from Business Casual with Daniel Litwin and Tyler Kern, your B2B morning radio show. Tune in Wednesdays and Fridays at 9 a.m. Central on the Simple Radio app or marketscale.com slash industries. 